It's actually kind of a dark and rainy, gloomy day today. I probably should do an episode on like the scary Genesis songs like Home by the Sea and Home by the Sea 2 and Home by the Sea 3 and Invisible Touch. That's a song about a ghost, isn't it? But today we're actually going to talk about the funny songs or the silly songs or the just where they decide to be a little irreverent with their lyrics and comedic. Let's go album by album and talk about some of those. Okay, here's what's really interesting. When I was doing, I did this survey, a Genesis fan survey, where I um, polled for the, the favorite songs, the least favorite songs, and their favorite albums from Genesis fans across Reddit and Discord and Facebook groups and through our Instagram and Twitter and the viewers on this channel. And we had this massive response, like, a, like almost 200 responses. Anyway, when you look at the least favorite songs, like rounding out the top 10, I noticed a trend, a common denominator was that it was some of the songs that we consider to be like goofy songs or some of their funny songs. Now, the concept or what would be defined as humor has evolved from Peter's early years in towards the end. But I just thought it was interesting that some of the songs that I would consider to be not serious lyrically or sometimes musically that a lot of those songs were like universally disliked by fans. So I thought that's kind of interesting that the band would often, towards the end, almost try to have one on each album, and yet they ended up becoming the least favorite songs by the fans. So let's take a look at all of them. Now, I have a little bit of a criteria because some of you might go, well, what about this song? What about that song? So I really want it to be kind of like explicitly funny. That's harder to do in the early years because I don't really understand old timey British humor, but I'll do my best. I'm not going to include any lighthearted songs or songs that maybe just have one kind of funny or inappropriate line in it. It's really where like the whole concept of the song is kind of silly, like anything she does or illegal alien. The other criteria is perhaps the production or even the way um, somebody sings it or the way that the vocalist sings it live, or maybe there's instrumentation happening that is kind of goofy. That'll be included on my list. Okay, does that make sense? Let's talk about the why for a second. Why would bands do this? Why did Genesis do songs that weren't serious? Why would they have a super serious song like Since I Lost You on the same album as a song like Jesus He Knows Me or I Can't Dance? Well, we know that Peter, back in the early days, was pretty weird and eccentric. That was a way that Genesis stood out. I mean, they were great songwriters and great instrumentalists. That should have been enough. That would have been enough. But his storytelling, some of his lyrics, and the way he dressed— helped elevate their status. Phil used a similar approach, but for different reasons. Phil was an actor, and he used humor to mask his insecurities on stage when he had to take over as a lead vocalist. I think for any band that uses humor in their music, or even humor in their onstage banter, is kind of saying, if I criticize myself, if I don't take myself too seriously, then you can't criticize me. It almost takes the power away from critics. When you don't take yourself too seriously. We addressed that a little bit in last week's video, too. Humor had the possibility of also making a song a hit song. And there have been times in the past several decades where a funny song has become a hit song. And so there was probably that mentality. I mean, Genesis had always been songwriters thinking about what might make a hit. And in a weird way, the goofiness of I Know What I Like helped them in that way. But look at songs over the past several decades by other artists, like the song Because I Got High or I'm Too Sexy, A Boy Named Sue, Short People. And eventually there would become explicit musical comedy bands and songwriters like Weird Al or Flight of the Concords, Tenacious D, Lonely Island. But before that, bands like Genesis would just attempt their own lighthearted moment. I think in some cases you would take an album like The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway and you would make that an entire cohesive 
concept album where everything fit together. Other times, bands would make albums that had a little bit of everything. Here's a ballad. Here's a fast song. Here's a silly song. Here's a political song. So that's why I think that they included silly songs. Okay, so if we go back to the very beginning, if we go back to For Genesis, and, uh, and here's the thing, I'm going to go through all the albums, but if I don't really identify one, I'm not going to just pick one for the sake of it. And so I don't really know if there is one on Genesis to Revelation. You can let me know if you think there is. Apparently there might be like a B-side out there that maybe fits this criteria, but I'm not going to touch that record. I don't really think there is. If we move on to Trespass, I would say the same thing. I don't really think, nothing really fits my criteria. You could pick what might be the lighthearted song on the record. Maybe that's the knife. I don't know. But I mean, like, uh, no, nothing in there at all fits my criteria. Not when you start to compare it to songs like Jesus, He Knows Me or anything she does, right? So let's leave Trespass. Let's move on to Nursery Crime. Now, Nursery Crime, I'll say Harold the Barrel. I mean, I think it kind of fits my criteria of musically. And there's some other songs on this list where perhaps the lyrics are just a little more traditional, yet it's the music that fits the criteria. So Harold the Barrel, both the lyrics and the music uh, will fit this in a weird way, I would say. It's hard to kind of judge, you know, some of the humor uh, of like the early 70s, late 60s British. I wasn't around. I'm not British. I'm not from that era. So it's kind of like, I kind of get the humor of Jesus. He knows me. I can kind of understand that sarcasm and that attack on that group of people. So I get that, but it's harder for me to kind of get what was going on. But you just listen to the music of Harold the Barrel. Like it's, it's uh, seen, you know, it's like the background music of like a fast moving silent picture. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of goofy. You could put a montage of the Three Stooges behind this. You know, I'm not a huge fan of this song, but I think this might fit the criteria. You let me know. Now, I'm not going to include Hogweed. It's not like I have to pick one song from each album. We're not doing that. Um, Giant Hogweed, I mean, maybe. I think, yeah, lyrically, there's something weird going on, but let's just give it an honorable mention. You can let me know in the comments if you think it's it's more of of an irreverent, uh, silly, goofy, comedic song then Harold the Barrel, but we'll pick Harold the Barrel. Foxtrot, again, I'm going to just leave that record. You might say Get Him Out by Friday, but I don't think so. Maybe a little bit sonically. I think that's a really pretty song, uh, melodically. Um, I don't know exactly the the meaning of the lyrics. I didn't dive too much into it, but I was just listening to that record, and I'm just not going to give uh, any of those songs um, a placement on my list here because I just don't think anything there meets the criteria. And I, I think for the purpose of this video, we're not going to shoehorn uh, a song into an album just because we need one from each album. We're not doing that. Okay, so here's one that I've heard people mention, and this was actually in our top 10 uh, least favorite songs from Selling England by the Pound is the Battle of Epping Forest, which uh, surprises me, but I think it's because of um, Peter's delivery. I think it's his the lyrics he wrote for this and then some of like the accents and the impersonations he's doing and the characters he's playing in this song. I really love this song. There's moments of this tune that I think are really melodic and uh, I don't know, it fits the record really well. It's kind of a goofier version of the cinema show. I, I like it a lot. The hook I think is beautiful right outside my door. Refrain is really pretty. But I can see, like, you know, some of the sound effects and some of the weird stuff that's going on. People would consider this to be one of their kind of lighthearted comedic uh, moments. And that's why they put it on their list of least favorite songs. So um, that's fine. I really like it. and I, But I'm going to include it on this list. I'm not going to include I Know What I Like. I just think that's um, 
I, that's a social commentary to me. I don't really consider that. Yeah, there's kind of funny elements, and then there's like a little bit of characters and voices and stuff. Certainly, when Phil did it live, uh, but I'm not going to include that tune here. Now, one that undoubtedly makes a list, and probably if I were to rank them top five, like kind of like weirdest comedic funny songs, would be "Counting Out Time" from "The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway." Now, I know there's some other tunes um, on on "The Lamb" that people might consider. Uh, we're going to leave all of those. Um, I think we'll just pull out Counting Out Time just because of how explicit it is. Um, you know, it's a good tune. I like it. it. I don't know. I like it on its own. It, to me, it reminds me of some of the B-sides that Genesis would do later after Peter, like Match or or Pigeons. Uh, but I don't really, I don't really get it in the um, sonically with with the lamb, and I think it it also made the the top ten list of people's least favorite songs. So I think I think for that reason that maybe just musically kind of doesn't fit the rest of the lamb. I don't know. I don't. I'm curious why people put counting out time as as because um, as a standalone Beatles esque track. I really do like it. It's catchy as heck. Is it because people don't think it fits the lamb? I'm curious. I don't know why people put it on their list. Um, is it the explicit lyrics? You know. Uh, erogenous zones. Here's what's funny about that that line: erogenous zones. Um, without you, what would a poor boy do? It's funny because that's like shoehorned into such a beautiful melody. So you can catch yourself singing along to that, like belting it out loud, um, singing it in line at the bank, and people turning around and looking at you weird. Has anybody else done that? Uh, just me? Okay. So I really like this song, but I think it's like the beginning of their like explicitly funny songs. Um, but I mean, it's still part of the story, right? So it's not like outwardly a standalone, like a takeout comedy song, like an intermission to the lamb. But I also think like the solo, the weird instrumentation, the kind of goofiness. Is there whistling in this song? I can't remember. Maybe I'm just putting that in my mind. But I think there's a whistle solo, right? Oh, my gosh. OK, moving on to the to uh, trick of the tail. So, you know. You could say trick of the tale, but I think that's actually just a really interesting fairy tale story. I don't think that's actually silly. I, I think it's a kind of a really cool story. And I'm wondering, is that a metaphor? Is that a metaphor? Is trick of the tale like the whole lyric? Is that a metaphor? Is it like a kind of like a early era illegal alien type of metaphor? Hmm. I wonder. Anyway, so I'm not going to include that one. But I would say that um, robbery, assault, and battery, only in the sense of the way that Phil did it live, because he would bring in the voices. Again, this is a bit of a stretch. I don't think it's as, as goofy as a song as I Can't Dance. Um, I like it-ish. I think if they wanted to make um, a trick a little bit darker and softer, like Wind and Wuthering, they could have maybe left this off for something else, maybe another instrumental. Um, but I like it. I think it's kind of lighthearted. In the same way that the next song... Um, All in a Mouse's Night from the next record, Wind and Wuthering. I think both of them, I think melodically you listen to them without listening to the lyrics and you're like, these are beautiful songs. I don't like putting All in a Mouse's Night on this list because I actually think it's, I'd rather put Match of the Day or Pigeons. But by the way, I forgot to tell you, my criteria here is I'm only doing album tracks just to make this, the the barriers a little bit easier. Um you know, you could include pigeons, match of the day, do the neurotic just because of the name. Um, but we're not we're not doing that. We're just going to stick into this narrow lane of songs that actually ended up on the record. I, I'm a little reluctant to put All in a Mouse's Night just because it's a really beautiful composition. So if you're not listening to the lyrics, if you don't really know what it's about, or if you don't consider this to be a, a silly tune, then it's a really pretty song that I do think fits into the record. And I don't think I would have replaced it with something else. That's just my opinion. And I think the same could be said for Robbery, Assault, and Battery. 
Um, it's a great story. It's easy to sing along to. Um, I, so I'm going to include these on my list. But again, I think that that doesn't totally meet the criteria. But if you were to make your own list, and of course, I want you to in the comments below, maybe it would be fun to pick one song from every album. But I think it gets hard to do. I think it's a bit of a stretch, um, especially on the next two records. And then there were three. I sometimes think Say It's All Right, Joe, because of like the way that Phil acted on stage and he was like super dramatic and dressed up in a costume. But I mean, if you look at the lyrics, it's I don't think it falls certainly not in the same category as Jesus, He Knows Me. You know what I mean? So I'm personally not including that. You could include something else from, and then there were three. Uh, let me know in the comments if you do. Same with Duke. I really don't think of anything funny or silly or irreverent on Duke. Duke is kind of a serious album, despite the album cover. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I don't really know, like maybe misunderstand. No, I, nothing. So leaving Duke, um, Abacab, what would I include off Abacab that is silly and goofy and ridiculous? Um, probably nothing. I think every song on Abacab is absolutely perfect and dead serious. Uh, and I'd have every song on that record uh, played at my funeral. And my wedding, which might be on the same day. I'm just joking. Who done it? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is only funny in the sense that it turned out to be funny or that like they didn't think about the lyrics, that the lyrics were an afterthought. It was just about doing something rhythmic with Phil's voice that fit the instrumentation that they were all jamming along to. So honestly, you could almost say this isn't a funny song. It just became a funny song because it shouldn't have been included on the record. But yeah, we'll we'll include it on our list because obviously it's up there. It's very, very high on the top 10 uh, least favorite Genesis songs by Genesis fans. Surprisingly, not number one, right? Was it not number one? I think I Can't Dance was number one. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot where this landed. No, maybe it was number one. No, maybe it was number one. Maybe Jesus, he knows me was two. You can go back and watch that video. Go back and watch that video. So yeah, who done it? I mean, if this kind of starts this like run of every record from here on out having one wild card. That might be another way to call these songs comedic, silly, irreverent wild cards, right? Because I think there was this thought especially at Atlantic Records too where it's like who done it is objectively a bad song, but what happens if it becomes a hit song? I mean, honestly, if we're in an alternate universe and who done it became a hit song and became bigger than Mama or Invisible Touch, then I don't know that who that's certainly possible. I think that that's what they're kind of thinking. Worst case, it's just a deep cut on the album. But best case scenario, this song is so weird that people love how experimental and crazy the band was getting, and uh, people would have embraced the song and becomes a number one hit. That's a possibility. Uh, so that's what makes some of these songs just a little bit more wild cards. This list gets a little bit easier as we move on to Shapes, the Genesis self-titled record, obviously a legal alien, right? This is probably their most explicitly goofy song uh, up to date, right? Aside from maybe Counting Out Time, but even Counting Out Time kind of has like a more serious context. But this is the first like standalone, we're just going to be super goofy. It's goofy in the music. Uh, I really don't like this song. We'll talk about it on its own review one day and maybe analyze a little bit more of like how how the context is today. Again, I am not going to, I don't want to get into this debate because I have no interest in like saying, hey, you said something in the 80s that now 40 years later is not appropriate. That's just ridiculous. I I, I don't think we can do that. Um, 
I'm not doing that today, but I am just saying that Illegal Alien is one of these kind of goofy songs. Was um, Sting's Englishman in New York written before this song or after this song? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, after, way after. Oh, interesting. I find them to be similar in, in theme a little bit, if you know what I mean, like kind of empathizing with um, immigrants. Like I, I always think of the song as like Phil and the band in America emphasizing, empath, empathizing with um, Mexican immigrants because they're both not American. And I'll elaborate on this when we talk about Jesus, he knows me because it's like Phil is in America. It's like, this is, place is weird. You know, I still feel that way. I'm not American. I'm Canadian. I go down to America. I'm like, this is a weird place, man. You got a lot of Twinkies. You have a whole aisle in the grocery store for Twinkies. That's weird. But anyway. Okay, so Illegal Alien is on there, obviously. Invisible Touch, from the album Invisible Touch, I'm going to go with anything she does, obviously. And we know what that song is about. They have done they did a pretty good job at, like, kind of masking that. I mean, you really got to listen carefully, study the lyrics, and go, oh, I think I know what this is about. So it's very much like counting out time. Interestingly, um, they didn't do very many, like, sexually explicit songs, did they? I think maybe because they're just kind of shy guys. Like, they weren't, like... Um, Despite having, you know, Phil, and he even talks about this in his book, he's not like a, a player, if you will. You know what I mean? So I, I, he's very like, um, very shy and timid. And so I found that interesting that the band didn't really do that many like sexually explicit songs. It's just not them, right? It's not their personality. They're not like Prince. They don't have these like songs with these, you know, massive euphemisms. So with the exception of Counting Out Time and and anything she does, and I'm... I can't dance live. There's certainly euphemisms there, but I, I'm trying to think of other ones. You let me know. Probably some in the olden days. Probably some in the Peter days. Um, did he ever take a cucumber and wrap it in? Um, never mind. So anything she does, I'm not a fan of that song. We talked about it. I really, I, I often skip that song. Music video is great. I also think Illegal Alien, right? And um, anything she does was the start of the funnier music videos, as well as Land of Confusion, right? So. Uh, that, this is when they're starting to get into, and see, now I wonder, with with MTV happening, you know, they do Mama, they do something kind of goofy with Mama and Illegal Alien, and they're starting to get play on MTV, MTV is becoming popular, and they're realizing if we write songs that make for good music videos, I just wonder, I wonder if they started to write for music videos. Have they ever talked about that? And finally, we move on to the album We Can't Dance, which just as a whole, we've talked about this before, should not have been named We Can't Dance, but whatever. The song, I Can't Dance, I never skipped this song, but I also don't love it. And I don't think it's something that they should really be proud of from a musical standpoint. I've heard that it was kind of a response to the popularity of dance music in the early 90s in Britain as well as in America. And I remember that era for sure. I remember CNC Music Factory and all these like clubs that were happening and and rave music that was happening and all of the parents were super scared of what was happening and cops were shutting it down. And so I think Phil feeling like, hey, we're in our 40s, we're old, we may not be relevant, we're not the cool guys that we were back in the Invisible Touch days, we need to kind of compete with dance music. Well, we can't do that. And so what do we do? We'd be self-deprecating, like I talked about at the beginning, criticize myself because I can't dance. And so they write this song, I Can't Dance. It actually turns out pretty well for them. Uh, and it ends up becoming a pretty great music video. Live, this song is super goofy. You know, I just love Melody's great songs, and I find that very few of these 
goofy songs have great melodies. I don't care about the lyrics. Honestly, you could be singing in a different language. If the production, instrumentation, and melody is beautiful and stunning and exciting, I don't care what you're singing about. The problem is, is that most of these songs, I don't find them to be very melodic, to be very exciting. I Can't Dance is probably their least melodic song. Same with Who Done It, with the exception maybe of Counting Out Time. I think that's a great tune. So I'm not judging these songs because of their lyrics or the intention of the songwriter. I'm just judging them about the quality of the song. I think maybe that's why a lot of them ranked high on our least favorite songs by Genesis fans. And then finally, I also want to include Jesus, He Knows Me. Um, I think the this is like one of their silly songs that where the lyrics make a lot of sense. The lyrics are sending a really important message because I think if you find yourself, especially in the 90s, in an American hotel on a Sunday morning, and you're flipping through the channels, and you see the Crystal Cathedral, and you see all these weird, like, super, like, Pentecostal healing people by hitting them and knocking them over and clucking like chickens and speaking in tongues, you're probably like, what is going on? Especially if you're used to, like, an Anglican upbringing or a United upbringing, or if you're Catholic, you're like, what is going on in America? So I can imagine Phil, like, flipping through the channels on a Sunday morning and going, what am I seeing here? And then, of course, the hypocrisy, which, by the way, is true. Like, I know a lot of the people in America, especially in the Bible Belt, did not care for this song, and they gave him a lot of trouble for it. You know that John Lennon was killed because he said that the Beatles are bigger than Jesus? And the Dixie Chicks criticized their president, so people burned their CDs and sent in bomb threats to their shows. Luckily, Genesis got away with not having the Christian right come after him for this song, but lucky. But the fact of the matter is, like, there's a lot of scandals. There's a lot of, like, bad things going on, not just in the 90s, but, like, every day with these uh, TV evangelists. So, gosh. So, for that reason, I think musically, it's probably my least favorite Genesis song because it's too fast. I don't like fast songs. It, it's it got this, like, reggae breakdown. Uh, I think Phil even emphasized a reggae voice live. I hate this song, but lyrically, it makes a lot of sense. And so bravo for that, for writing it. Bravo for trying to play it in America. I'm glad they didn't get canceled or they didn't get attacked, probably because it was so silly. And everyone's just like, well, whatever. Anyway, that's my list. It's not a list. It's not a top 10. It's just some songs I wanted to point out because I noticed that in our Genesis survey that people were like, here's all these songs I don't like. And then I'm looking at them going, these are some of the sillier songs. They're not driving the last spike. They're not, they're not Dutches. These are lighter songs, like goofy songs. And so I thought it'd be important to spend a whole video talk about these songs. Let me know in the comments uh, what you think of these songs. Were you one of the ones that ranked them high on your least favorite Genesis songs? Did I miss any? Are there any kind of silly, goofy songs out there, comedic songs by Genesis that I missed? I would love to do one of these for Phil. I don't think we will because I don't think there's that many with Phil. Uh, you know, there's Through These Walls, Wear My Hat, maybe like China. I don't know. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll do that with Phil, but let me know in the comments what you think about these tunes. And if you think I've included some that I shouldn't have included or vice versa. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button for exclusive videos, behind the scenes content, and to have your say on future topics before I film, have a look at our Patreon page. Thanks for watching.